We're glad you're here. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Mark. Let me read a passage for you there. Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 30. Jesus realized at once the healing of power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Say that with me, would you? He kept on looking. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love. We just ask you to have your way today. God, let me decrease so you can increase. And Father, let us do more than hear the words today, but let us grab a hold of it and let it be a guide to our life in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak to you for a while this morning on the topic distracted. Everybody say it with me, distracted. Have you ever been distracted before? Any of you ever get in trouble in school because the teacher's teaching and all of a sudden you're distracted and and when you're distracted it's when they usually call on you and then you got no clue what what's even going on and and you end up in the corner no lunch What about during a conversation? Have you ever been distracted before in a conversation? You ever talk to somebody that had broccoli between their teeth? <laughs> Seriously. You know, you're trying to a piece of black pepper or something, and you're trying not to look at it, but you can't help yourself. And so finally, you've lost, you, you've lost where the conversation's even at because you're focused on that broccoli. And, it, you know, and my, my mother-in-law, if you... <laughs> Debbie's mom is so unique because if, if she's looking at you and you're talking to her and you've got broccoli in your teeth, she's going to be going. And then she's going to go like this. <laughs> Trying to clean the broccoli out of your teeth <laughs> in her mouth. And so distracted. Everybody say it one more time, distracted. Do you ever get distracted during a message while I was preaching? I have been. Right there. Stand up, honey. Let everybody see you. There she is. My grandest distraction. And, that, and I mean that in a good way. <laughs> but I've been, I've been I, and if you've been going here very long, you know this has happened. I've been preaching, and all of a sudden, Debbie is trying to communicate something to me. And I'm, I'm looking at her, and I'm thinking, Okay, what, what's going on? You know, there's all kinds of things going through your mind, you know, and you're thinking, I wish I had a solid pulpit right now. And it's, but there's, and so, and there have been times, and you've seen it happen, if you've been here, that I finally looked at her and I said, baby, what is it? And she's come up here on stage before and straightened my tie, and she said, I'm sorry, it was bothering me. And, uh, you know, and then, and then I'm trying to recover from that, you know, and go on with my message. Everybody say distracted. And so their life is can be filled with distractions. I remember an outside meeting. Any of you ever go to those old camp meetings? I remember an, uh, a camp meeting, and it was an open-air meeting, you know, and so the only thing that was on it was it had a roof over it. All the, you know, it was open around all the sides, and on the platform, 
there was a wooden rail that went all the way around the platform, and the poor preacher should have just stopped preaching because nobody was listening to what he was saying. They were watching that snake crawl on that handrail down that platform trying to figure out where it was going to go. And it was, it was unique because there was all kinds of... So I was not focused on the snake. I was looking at everybody else that was focused on the snake because <laughs> their facial expressions were priceless. Some of the women were going, <laughs> you know, and then some of the guys were, you know, thinking, I thought some of them looked like they wanted to pull out a shotgun and take it out. But distractions. You know, while some distractions can be funny and comical, and we've talked about some of those, others can be life-threatening. Have you ever gotten distracted while you were driving, texting? Any of you ever done that? Raise your hand if you've ever done that. Get ready, Ben. We got a state trooper here. He's going to write you up. We've, you can get distracted texting, and, and that's dangerous. Honestly, that takes, that takes, man, more lives than you can imagine. But you can also get distracted looking around while you're driving. Any of you ever been there before? Man, I, we were in uh, Colorado, and you get in Colorado, man, and the beautiful mountains and the scenery, and everybody's looking for mountain goats, you know, or all these things, you know, on the side of the mountain. And Debbie's going, look at that, babe. <laughs> I ain't looking at nothing, man. I go, you know, we went, we went to Colorado in May, years ago, Debbie and I went by ourselves on a vacation, and it was so gorgeous, and we wanted to take our family, so we planned a big family vacation and took everybody a week later than we had gone. It was totally different. We got there, man, there's snow all over the place. I'm thinking, where's all this snow coming from? We had, you know, when we were here, it was beautiful this time of year. They had avalanche warnings out in Yellowstone at the end of May. And we're driving down through there, and I'm driving, and everybody else is in the back, and they're, you know, having a good time, and my knuckles are white because I'm driving on slush-covered roads, and it's snowing, and I'm weaving around this mountain. And I wouldn't say it to anybody, but I'm looking, and I'm going, okay, if I start to slide, I'm going to have to run this vehicle into the side of the mountain to keep from going off the edge of the mountain. Somebody say distracted. That's why you always hear me suggesting you go to the mountains on vacation. It's a beautiful place. You'll love it. Just don't go when it's snowing. So everybody say one more time distracted. Now, this passage I read talks about this lady that has been dying a slow death for the last 12 years. She's hemorrhaging. She's losing blood, and she can't stop it. The doctors can't stop it. She spent everything she had on every specialist she could find, and she was still dying. How many of you know that when doctors say, there's nothing else I can do, that doesn't mean that God can't? that you, you need to understand that, do, that God is not limited 
to the doctor's diagnosis. Thank God for doctors. Thank God for doctors. But hear me, doctors can only go so far. But God promised, he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, but I'll go with you to the end of the earth. And so he, God is able. This woman has spent everything she's got, and she hears about Jesus, and so she said something to herself. She made this statement. She said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And then she starts to move toward it. When's the last time you had a conversation with your faith? When's the last time you began to talk and make a declaration, you know what? God can do this. God is able. The Bible said that David encouraged himself in the Lord. What did she say? She said, if I can touch him. What do we say today? Oh, I sure hope he touches me. See, we put it all on God and saying, God, I need you to touch me. But that woman is saying, if I can touch him. How many of you remember Elvis? You know what I'm talking? Oh, here's a lady here going, what, baba, loo, baba, you know, she, so you, you remember Elvis? You remember the Beatles? Remember Garth Brooks? I figured I'd hit on somebody you like after a while here. You remember all the, 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 you know, the way the crowds responded to them? All those girls when Elvis was on stage or the Beatles were on stage, they, they were, ah, and they would try and rush the stage to touch him. I never one time saw a clip of a girl sitting in the back going, I hope he comes by here and touches me. No, they weren't waiting for them to, for him to touch them. They were moving toward him. They, they never said, I, oh, you know, if, he, if, if he'll just come out here and give me a sweaty rag, I'll be so happy if, if he'll just, no, they, they, were, they were rushing the stage trying to get to him. Now, hear me. Isn't God more important than Elvis? <laughs> Isn't God bigger than the Beatles? And so why am I going to sit in the back on my seat and make a declaration, oh, I sure hope he touches me today. You know, when you get tired of being sick and tired, you're going to get up and start making a move toward him. I'm not waiting for him to touch me. I'm going to go after him. That's what they did. They, they said, look, I'm going after him. And when she did, it got his attention. The disciples that day were distracted by the crowd. But Jesus wasn't focused on the crowd Jesus was looking for the one that touched him. You can be in a building full of people where worship is going on, and you may not feel anything until you make up your mind, I'm going to touch him. I'm going to touch him. And what usually happens when that happens, you know, we're in it, well, worship wasn't good today. I didn't feel nothing. You probably didn't feel nothing because you didn't do nothing. 
if you want to, if, if you want to get in his presence, move toward it. Somebody say it with me. Make a move. Just move toward it. And so that woman, by declaring her faith, focusing on him, caused him to focus on her. When we're distracted by people, it can cause us to miss seeing Jesus. There's a man in Scripture. He's a very wealthy man, very well-to-do. Nobody likes him, but he don't care. He, he's, he's rich. He's got a hot job. It's over a bunch of folks. And he finds out that Jesus is coming to town. He also finds something else out. He can't pull enough strings to get him an audience with Christ. He finds out that all his wealth won't get him a place in line. And so he ends up being just like everybody else, standing in the crowd that day trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. But the problem was he wasn't like everybody else. He's a lot shorter than everybody else. So he can't see over their heads. You know what he made up his mind he was going to do? He decided, I'm not going to let these people distract me from seeing Jesus. If I can't get around them, I'm going to go over them. You, anybody ever been there? <laughs> get out my way. If I can't get around you, I'm coming over you. I was in Russia one time, and we were going up these stairs and all of a sudden this huge dog started coming down the stairs and they man all the next thing i know the group is running down those steps and i'm you know i was bringing up the back end of it they're running down the steps and i stepped there's a little bitty elevator there that's a cage it's not like elevators here. You can see through it. It's a rickety cage. And all of a sudden, I felt about 12 hands on my back whoo, throw me to the back of that elevator. And man, they all came rushing in trying to get away from the dog. They didn't care whether they had to go around me or over me. They were getting away from that dog. And I'm smashed up in the back and they left the door open. And I said, if you don't close the door, he's going to eat us one at a time. And so they finally close the door. Distract you. You got to make up your mind that you're not going to let anyone to keep you from Jesus. Amen. See, to get to where he's at, you're going to have to find a higher plane. If you're going to get in his presence, you're going to have to make up your mind. I'm going to rise up above everybody that's trying to keep me out of his presence. You've got to go to a higher place. Any of you ever been on the road before with someone slow going be in front of you? You know what that feels like? You know, you, and, and you're looking for a break in traffic, and you're thinking, <laughs> they're doing 55 in a 55. And you're thinking, what is wrong with these people? Don't they know that it's a sunny day? That it's not raining? That 55's a suggestion. <laughs> day like today, you ought to be driving at least 70. Forget I said that. And you're waiting, man. You're waiting for your opportunity. And finally, and you're so, you got it so pent up. In you. And then all of a sudden, when you see a break, you whip out around them and you, 
whoa, and, you, and when you pass by him. You know, don't y'all sit there. Y'all laughing because you've been doing it. <laughs> Unless you're in a four-cylinder. If you're four-cylinder, you pull out around him and you're <laughs> trying to get around him. And De- Debbie was driving. Her car's four-cylinder. Mine's uh, a big six. And she got in my car and she came back home. And she said, wow, I need that car. I, there's an, I got a need for speed, man. That thing, that, that, my car won't do that. You're... Your car, well, man, it just, boom, and she got a ticket. <laughs> no, she got <laughs> Long time ago. <laughs> Were you in my car or your car? Okay. You got a ticket in the four-cylinder? Okay. So, where was I? I got distracted. <laughs> so, here's what I'm saying is that Zacchaeus, made up his mind, look, I've got one opportunity to get to Jesus, and I'm not going to let these people keep me from it. Oh, come on now. You say, what's that got to do with us? How many friends have you got that try and keep you uh, from living your life for God? And they say, oh, you don't need to do that. All that stuff, you know, going to church and all. Don't let them distract you. You've got to make up your mind uh, that you're going to touch him, uh, that you're going to reach high, and you're not going to let them stop you. Now watch this. When he got up above the crowd... He got Jesus' attention. You're not going to get his attention just sitting in the crowd praying he'll come and touch you. That woman said, if I can touch him. You're not going to get his attention standing among everybody in the crowd. Trying to, we, got, we walk every, uh, not every, when we're home, we go for a walk through the country. And I promise you, there's this place that we walk by. There's this house we walk by, and they got dogs on this chain. There's one dog, and the fen- there's a fence. And the fence is too high for the dog to see us. And I, I glanced over there one day, and I saw this dog. It's a, it's a truth, man. The dog's jumping up on all fours, looking over the fence so he can see us. That dog made up his mind, I'm not going to get distracted by that fence. I, I'm going to get high enough uh, to see them. Oh, you, if a dog has that much sense, come on. If, if a dog has got a desire to see us, uh, how much more should we have a desire to see him? Rise above it. When Zacchaeus rose above the crowd, Jesus See, y'all got distracted. I'm just saying, I'm telling you that life is filled with distractions. But if you want his attention, rise above it. When he rose above it, Jesus looked at me and said, I'm going to your house today. Now watch this, because this is what's powerful to me. He goes to his house, and he doesn't say a word. And Zacchaeus looks at him, and he said, whoever I've stolen from, I'm going to restore and give fourfold back. What was he saying? He's saying, your presence has changed my life. All you have to do is get in his presence for a moment 
and it can change your life forever. Somebody say it with me. Distracted. In John, the eighth chapter, I, let me read this to you because this is important. Well, it's all important. John chapter 8, starting with verse 1. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he went back again at the temple. Everybody say the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. And as he was speaking, everybody say, while he's talking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. I want you to hear what I'm going to say. They interrupted Jesus teaching the word so they could accuse somebody in front of him. They stopped people hearing the word of life so they could bring an accusation of death. They put her in front of the crowd. Before the day was over, they're going to wish they had not done that. They looked at him and said, the law says stoner. Well, can I ask a question? If they're concerned about the law, Where's the man? They said they caught her in the very act of adultery. I'm sorry, folks, but it takes two to tango. They bring the woman and left the man. How did they know where to find her? Why isn't the man with her? And they've all got rocks in their hands. The law says stoner. What do you say? And he just ignored him like he didn't hear him. Got down, started writing in the sand, and they're waiting. Come on, come on. What's your answer? What's your answer? He stood up and he said, you that are without sin, cast the first stone. They were so distracted with what someone had done wrong that they were missing out on what he was teaching and what he was speaking. They were focused on her shame instead of their life. Hear what I'm saying. And what did they do? They started dropping rocks from the oldest, from the eldest to the young. Why? You know, when you're older, you're supposed to be smarter, right? So the old folks that are supposed to be the smart folks started dropping rocks because they knew they had sinned. Matter of fact, they understood that there wasn't anybody in that crowd that day that had not sinned except one, and he was the one that chose not to throw any stones. If we aren't careful, we get so distracted by what everyone else is doing that we're not watching what he's doing. Matter of fact, let me, let me say it to you this way. If we're not careful, we're so focused on everyone else's sin that we're losing sight of our own. 
they wished they'd never brought her up in front of him that day because what they intended to do in making her a public spectacle ended up backfiring on them. I want you to know there's a crowd of people there, and they watched all those Pharisees drop rocks and walk away. There was only one answer to why they did that. They'd all sinned. He said, he that's without sin cast the first stone. They started dropping rocks and walking away. <laughs> Folks, don't you know there are folks in the crowd that day going, what'd you do? <laughs> Come on, I, I, tell me. I won't know. What'd you do? You really messed up, didn't you? <laughs> I just want to know so I know how to pray for you. <laughs> Distracted. You know, the Scripture talks about that gossip is a juicy morsel. Did you ever see anyone that couldn't wait to hear a good story? You remember the three guys that were in the boat, shipwrecked? They were all out there, and they knew that they were going to die, and they thought, man, you know, and they you know, all hope and run out, and so they start looking at each other and say, you know, the Scripture says, confess your faults one to another. And the first guy, they're all three ministers, and the first guy, begins to confess. He said, man, he said, I hadn't been faithful to my wife. He said, and I, I just, you know, I'm asking you to forgive me, and I'm confessing it before God. And second guy said, I've been ripping the church off. And I'm, by the way, I have, not done, I have not done any of these. And he said, he said, I've been ripping the church off. And he said, I just want to confess it before God. And all of a sudden, man, a big ship liner, womp, womp. And the guy, we're saved, we're saved. And then the other two realized, man, we are in trouble because this third guy, and they said, all right, come on, we spilled our guts. You've got to spill yours. You tell us something on you. And he said, I confess, I'm the biggest gossip you ever saw in your life, and I can't wait to get back and tell this. <laughs> Distractions. Distractions. We get so focused on everything except the one that makes all the difference in our life. Somebody say it with me again, distracted. It's after the resurrection. Peter is with them for 40 days after the resurrection, but he's not in their presence all that time. These disciples had been used to Jesus with them. I mean, for three and a half years, he walked with them and they saw him die a horrific death and now he's resurrected and he's seen by more than i believe it's 500 people before he goes up but he's not with them always and peter decided in one of those times where he wasn't there that i'm going to go fishing let me just kind of turn this and i understand we you know that i, I was an evangelist before i was a pastor so let me get you to look at this from another angle. Peter ended up going back to what he was doing before Christ called him. Let that sink in for a second. The last thing I want to do is end up going back to what I was doing before Christ called me. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to lay that Peter's doing anything wrong. I just want you to see that thought, that it's a dangerous thing when we go back to what we were doing before he called us. And, and 
the other thing is, is he was empty. How do you know that? Because the Bible said they hadn't caught anything. You go back to what you were doing before Christ called you, and you're going to find yourself empty. And so he calls out to them and said, have you caught any fish? And they said, no. And he said, cast your net on the other side of the boat. They're too far from shore to be able to see him very well. And they throw that net over, but what they feel, do you ever... You ever been someplace and think, oh, this is deja vu. I've been here and done that before. They felt that net pull, and all of a sudden, John has an epiphany. <laughs> That's Jesus. He'd been on a, he'd, they'd fished all night once before and hadn't caught nothing, and he told them to launch out into the deep. And when they did, they got a boat full of fish that started sinking the boats. And so when Peter realizes it's Jesus, he jumps out of the boat and starts swimming to shore. And he gets to shore, and he says it was John's idea. No, I'm kidding. He didn't say that. But we, we do, don't we? We, you know, got to blame somebody else for my boneheaded mistake. Any of you ever have any boneheaded mistakes in your life? I'm feeling mighty alone up here right now. So when, when he speaks to him, they, they find that Jesus is already prepared for them something else for you to consider while you're wasting all your energy trying to find something once you go to where he's at you're going to discover he's got what you've been looking for all the time they had been looking for fish and he had it already on the fire and so they eat of the fish and then he goes let me borrow you a minute peter He's scared to death. He looked at me like, I don't know what he's going to do to me. Okay. So Jesus is walking with Peter, and he starts talking to them. And he, he st you ever take somebody off by themselves when you need to tell them something? You know, so he starts this walk, and Peter's a little nervous now, you know. And, and he looks at him. He said, do you love me more than these? And Peter responded, Yes, Lord, you, you know I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. He kept walking and said, do you love me more than these? I said, well, yeah, I, t I told you, yeah, I, I love him. He said, feed my lambs. He keeps walking with them. Do you love me more than these? And now Peter's exasperated because he asked him the third time, do you love me more than these? See, Peter was sure of himself once before. He was sure of himself when he told him, he said, though all men deny you, I'll never deny you. I'll die for you. And Jesus had looked at him that night and said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. He said, I'll never deny you. But before the rooster had crowed, Peter had denied him. Now Jesus is telling him, do you love me? And Peter's beginning to think, Man, I, I, I feel like I do. I, but why is he asking me? Why does he keep asking me this question? And so he looks at him. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. The question was, do you love me? Not, the question was not, do you love me? The question was, do you love me more than these? Amen. What is these? 
See, I think these is anything that becomes a distraction between you and God. Anything that would rob your focus from him is a these. It can be a relationship. It can be a job. It can be an attitude. Anything that pulls you away from him and causes you to focus on something else. And he's telling them, do you love me more than these? And he's saying, yes, I, I love you. And then he goes a little further with him. And he said, look, son, when you were young, you dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to. He said, but there's coming a day where someone else is going to dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And the Bible said, thus he spake to Peter, signifying by what death he should glorify God. This is what Peter's doing when Jesus tells him that. I'm Peter now. Just read the scripture. The Bible said that John was following them. Peter is telling, or Jesus is telling Peter what's going to happen in his life. Peter ain't real thrilled about it. He's not real wild about the idea. And he's thinking, man, have I got to go through this? And he starts looking at John, and then he turns around, and he looks at Jesus, and he said, what about that guy? What, what's he going to do? Oh, you know what I'm, go ahead, thank you. Give him a hand. Don't act like you ain't been there before. Your mom and your dad correcting you over something, and the first thing you do is start pointing out a brother or sister and say, what about them? They did this six months ago, and you never did nothing. Distracted. Instead of Peter focusing on what Jesus is telling him, he is so focused on John that he's missing the point that he is going to get to glorify God. Sometimes we become so distracted by those that are around us, we're missing the one who is with us. Here was Jesus' kind-hearted reply to Peter's question. That's none of your business. If you want per word what he said, he said, what concern is that of you? He said, he said, if I decide to let him live until I come back, what concern is that of yours? Follow me. What's he saying? He's saying, Peter, you got distracted before because you got your eyes off of me and you started looking at the situation you were in. You've got to quit looking at the situation you're in and keep your focus on me if you want to glorify me. Would you stand with me for a second? I was doing mission work, had a little three and a half by 12 foot closet that I kept stuff in. Trying to do the best I could. Started hearing about these mission groups that had millions of dollars. And it became a distraction. Matter of fact, it became so much of a distraction that I started praying and saying, God, 
you know if I had that money, what I would do with it. They got it setting up in a bank account, just drawing it. You know what I would do with it. And I was expecting God to say, you're right. I'm going to zap them and give it all to you. He didn't do that. This is what he told me. He said, why don't you quit focusing on what everyone else has got and start using what you've got? After I repented, I started to focus on what God had put in my hand. I went from that little three and a half by 12 foot closet to a 16 by 19 shed. (laughs) Went from the 16 by 19 shed to a 6,000 foot square or a 6,000 square foot warehouse. Went to from bags of clothes to millions of dollars of medical supplies. I never bought any of it. I never had the money. I was distracted. I thought what I needed was money. And God was trying to tell me what you need is me. (laughs) Because when you have me, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. We've got to be careful that we don't fall into the sin of comparison. The Bible said, he that compares himself to another is not wise. I'm always looking over my shoulder to find out what somebody else is doing or what's happening to them. And when I'm looking back, I can't move forward. If I'm focused on you, I'm losing my focus on Christ. If I'm trying to drag you up in front of a crowd over something you've done, I'll never have my opportunity to stand before a crowd and declare his love and goodness and grace. It's all about him. So this is what I want to ask you about today. Are you distracted? You're not going to get through life without having the distractions. That's just the truth. Well, you don't have distractions. Are you kidding me? I get down to pray and all of a sudden wind up in left field someplace, and I'm thinking, God, how did I even get over here? Distractions come to everyone. You just have to make up your mind what you're going to do with the distraction. When I find myself distracted praying, I go, oh, man, I don't know how I got here. God, help me get refocused here and just go back to where I need to be. If you want your life to glorify God, you can't be concerned about what someone else is doing. You've got to be focused on what he's called you to. Now, hear me. He said, I know what my thoughts are concerning you, saith God. They're thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you hope and an expected end. What's he saying? He's saying, I got some good things in store for you, 
but I can't get it to you until you come to me. Peter's life ended without a distraction. History and tradition recorded that Peter was riding out of a city when in a vision he saw Jesus riding into the city. And he looked at Jesus and he said, where are you going? He said, I go to be crucified the second time. Peter turned his horse around and rode back into the city and was crucified upside down at his own request. He said, I do not feel worthy to die the way he died. So they turned him upside down. And what about that man? What shall he do? He was boiled in a pot of oil, but it didn't kill him. The emperor brought John up out of that vat of oil and saw him alive. And he thought, I'm going to get rid of this guy. And he sent him to a place called Patmos, where all of a sudden there, Jesus visited him and showed him what would happen when he comes. If I will that that man lives till I come, what's that to you? John saw it all unfold. He saw it all before him, and he wrote it, called it a revelation. I hope we get a revelation today. I hope we have a revelation that no matter what it is that God has called us to do, he'll get glory through it, and he'll equip us to do it if we stay focused on him in the woods and I'm getting ready to pray but in the woods I was hunting with a scope I could see the deer where I bring the scope up I'd lose the deer I thought man this is so frustrating I... and I remember stopping and praying God help me get focused and all of a sudden, that deer came into my view. And I was able to find what I had been looking for. When we're trying to discover things all on our own, instead of asking him to show me what you want me to do, you're going to feel like me in those woods, frustrated. But when the distraction leaves, it was all the branches that were in that scope that kept distracting me. For Zacchaeus, it was a crowd of people. For Peter, it was John. For the woman caught in adultery, it was the Pharisees. But in one instant, God was able to stop the distraction and bring them back into focus. If you're in here today and you say, Pastor, I need to get some distractions out of my life. 
I need to get focused again. It's no, listen, there's no sin in being distracted. The sin is when you start focusing on the distraction and following that instead of following God. So if you're in here today and you say, I just want to get refocused. I need to get rid of some distractions. I want you to come up here right now and just stand with me if you would for a moment. Just stand with me. I don't, I don't like to be distracted. When I get in traffic, if I'm in heavy traffic, I don't care what you're listening to on the radio, it's going off. I don't want to be distracted. When I'm, Debbie will try and talk to me when I'm watching television and she gets really upset because I'm not listening to her because I'm, I'm watching a program. Don't mess with me when Andy is on. I don't want to be distracted. God is trying to communicate to us in this hour that he has a plan for us. He's letting us know that there's something specific I need you to do. Sometimes we're so distracted by trying to figure out what that is instead of just following him. You know what I discovered? When we went to town, my dad used to take me into town when we were kids. We were going to go to Sears and J.C. Penney and all that. I didn't know where those places were. I found out a secret. All I had to do was follow him, and I'd wind up in those places. Quit trying to find it on your own and just begin to follow him. And as you follow him, you're going to find out he got you right where he wanted you all along. Would you stretch your hands to heaven and love him with me? I want to give me some help up here, guys. Come on, let me just stretch those hands to heaven. Love him with me right now. Father, I thank you. Lord, let me focus totally on you. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus I saw a cloud hanging over you. And it's, it, this word kept coming to me. I heard lonely or loneliness. God is going to surround you in such a way that this, I'm going to call it like a pocket or a vacuum that you feel. 
is going to leave your life and you're going to feel purpose you're going to you're, you're going to know sometimes you, it, it's like you know you ever felt like I'm just wandering around out here and just you know and I just need some direction God's getting ready to bring that to you are you ready for it just stretch your hands now Jesus be the center of it all Jesus at the center of it all from beginning to the end it will always be it's always okay, been just a second. I'm just going to give it to you the way it's coming to me I I see focused, I see driven, but focused on what? And so sometimes it's like you know, you're a busy bee, just going at it, going at it, going at it. And then there's nothing wrong with being busy, but you don't ever want to lose the joy of your journey. Find out I've been busy all this time and I, I needed to make a left turn back there. I didn't see it.
I want you to say this with me. It's all about you. Look up when you say it. It's all about you. It's not about me. It's not about anybody else around me. It's all about you. I want you to think about this. Because when we're focused and we make it all about him, there aren't enough devils in hell to keep us from reaching that place he's called us to. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Come on, sing it. Yes, it's all about you. understand that it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. What matters is if whether or not you make him the focus of your life. And if you do that, he can reach out and snatch you out of any mess, out of any situation. He'll keep you through it. Everything that happens in life isn't good. He said that he'll work it for good, that he'll turn it around but you've got to be focused on him. You can't have distractions, it's got to be him. So as you raise your hands, just say this with me, Lord, I wanna make it all about you. Father. Jesus be the center, it's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. From my heart to the Jesus be the center, it's all about you, yes it's all about you, from my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center, it's all about you, yes it's all about you. Can you love him? Just stretch that hand to heaven with me right now. If there's anybody else that wants prayer, just come and step up here real quick. Not just stretch your hand to heaven. Uh, hear me. No matter where you're at, God knows. He knows. I'm always amazed at how we try and make everybody think we got it all together. How are you? I'm blessed of the Lord. I'm falling apart on the inside. He knows where you're at and he's not nervous <laughs> he's not wringing his hands going I don't know how I'm going to fix this he's looking at us and what's he saying whosoever will let him come I'll give you rest what's he saying he's saying are you tired of worrying let me lay some things to rest for you are you tired of fretting? Let me lay some things to rest for you. I want you to take a step toward me. See, sometimes what happens is we get focused on something we've heard rather than focused on something he's promised. 
So I'm going to focus on what he's promised. No matter what I've heard. <laughs> Come on, just stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. about a kid on a roller coaster they don't know what's coming they just got on for the ride we don't know what's around the next corner I just know who I'm on the ride with and he's promised to take care of that means I can throw my hands up I can holler when I come over that deep Falling, <laughs> knowing that I'm safe in his hands. Not just that, but I'm going to make a decision to enjoy the journey. <laughs> Just stretch your hands to heaven with me right now, Father. I thank you. by the hand and we're going to do we're going to do what we do back there every week grab somebody by the hand you got it, their hand look at them and say say this with me pull, pull. peace unity love and liberty now here's the best part That's our worship team every Sunday morning in the back. So when you hear, woohoo, just know we're enjoying the journey. God bless you. We love you. God cares for you. And he's got you covered. <laughs>